It's the first real miracle that John explains in his gospel, turning water to wine. Next. John tells us that what Jesus did in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he reveals his glory. So how does turning water into wine do just that? That's the question we're answering here today on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. Welcome to the program. We're in John chapter 2, focusing in on the first 11 verses and this first miracle recorded by John in his gospel. The significance for you and I, straight ahead. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's program. Men and women are likened in the Bible to vessels or containers. Here Jesus has filled the containers with the water, and I'll transform it. I could change it. I want you to think of your own life, and let me ask you right now, what do you contain? What are the goods contained in you. What kind of container are you? The contents of your life is more important than the quality of the vessel, because some of you are cracking. Some of you got aches and ailments, and, and, and if you don't, let me tell you, young people, you're going to get them. And we're going to be standing there saying, we told you it happened. Rambo, you ain't always going to be Rambo. Someday you're going to look like Jumbo. You're going to to have to help you in the building because the old containers wear out. But you see, it's not what the container is made of. It's what it contains. Howard's never threw out a peanut butter jar when I grew up. That's what you drank milk out of. Anybody ever keep a peanut butter jar? Come on, I'm talking to a wealthy crowd. You don't know what I'm too proud to say. We kept, man, that was our top silverware and top glassware. Fruit jar, as long as it could hold milk, who cares what it's made of? We weren't looking for fine china. You got to be kidding. We were looking for fine food. Some folks got better silverware than we had anything to eat. But you kept the jar, and who cared? I just need something to hold the glass of milk. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I want you to go with me on a journey. Start with me at Jeremiah. Jeremiah 18, what he said about the nation of Israel. And think of our own lives. Listen to what he says. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. And he goes on to tell them, I tried to mold you and to shape you into something usable and honorable, but you wouldn't listen to me. And I've had to break you down. When that clay gets on that wheel, 
when there gets some kind of a stone or unyielding, maybe not enough water in the clay, whatever, a lump that won't yield, something going on, what does that potter do? When it won't yield, you keep trying to get it, boom, you break down the clay. You put it right back down on that wheel. We'll start over. Israel, in my hands you fell apart. In my hands you didn't yield to what I, I, I had to break you down and I'm going to make you over because you wouldn't yield to the potter's hands. And so the nation refused to be changed and they go far, far from God. Look at what Romans 9 says. Romans 9. Look there. He talks about God's sovereignty, that he has mercy on whom he will have mercy. And here in 9.19, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? Listen to that. The same quality of clay, but two different kinds of vessels, honorable, dishonorable. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles, there's only two kinds of, really one kind of clay and two destinies. One person that you grew up with, as flesh of flesh as you, as weak, smart, good-looking, whatever, just human, humanity. And God takes the clay and he shapes it. And he said, one is fitted for eternal destruction. And the other winds up eternally with God. One is a vessel of wrath that resists the potter's hand, that winds up being fitted for destruction. And over here is another vessel, a vessel of mercy. Its in design is a result of the merciful intent of the creator potter. I want you to know, none of us are any better humanity than those who are not with us. There's no better clay in the room. The difference is the potter. Your humanity is as bad as anyone else's. Your quality of humanity is as desperately in need of God as any other's. It was the fact God was willing to get involved in your life and make something out of you that you could have never been on your own. You see, he takes the clay and he can shape you mold you, and even determine your eternal destiny. And he says to humanity, don't tell the potter what he can do with the clay. I ask you, what has he done with your life? Why aren't you being destroyed today? Why doesn't he give up on you? Why does he turn us preachers into beggars 
begging you to come to Christ. And you still won't let the potter get his hands on you for good. And so you will be fitted for destruction. And this is the theme he carries over to Romans 12. Because God has been merciful and you become a vessel of honor because of mercy's designs, why don't you serve him with everything you've got? One of our precious men was sharing at our deacon elder meeting how someone was sharing with them, I don't know that I can be 100% for God. I don't, you know, that's a little too carried away. You know, he might make a missionary out of me. Well, probably a lot more than what you are now. There's no such thing as 50-50 for God. All he wants is all of you. And if he gets all of you, believe me, honey, he hadn't got a whole lot. Get over it. Listen to the Eagles play that song. Get over it. Get over it. Quit looking in the mirror. Man's problem is he's stuck on himself. Someone said he's nothing but dirt stuck on himself. He's a mud pie. And he's trying to play God and making a mess out of creation. But the potter, the difference is some of you, you know when his hands got on you. And he said, I've got a merciful design for you. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I want to give mercy. Let's keep going. Look at 2 Timothy when he talks about, I understand it to be the household of faith, but it scares me what he says. But look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. He's talking to the young pastor at Ephesus who has struggled with timidity and uh, uh, different pastoral problems. And, and he's telling the young man, don't, don't be discouraged. Don't let false teachers get you off track like Hymenaeus and Philetus. Don't be distracted, Timothy. Uh, don't get caught up in vain debates and endless discussions. And so he, he's talking to his son in the faith. Don't watch yourself. Take care of yourself. And then he, he makes this marvelous uh, illustration, verse 20. Now, in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. What is he saying? I, I understand the household here to be the household of faith. And that's what scares me, that there's actually could be people in the household of faith that their only use is dishonorable. I mean, that, that's what my trouble. I, I wish he would say the household of humanity, and then I would say, well, the dishonorable are unbelievers, but I'm not sure that's what he's saying. It seems to be the household of faith. I'm willing to be correct it, but that's what he's it, saying. In the household of faith, uh, cleanse yourself. Don't get caught up with these heretical teachers. Don't get caught up with all this, the riffraff that goes on in church life. In every church, you've got a murmuring crowd. They'll always murmur about something. In every church, you got people practicing sin that nobody knows about. And uh, sometimes you're on the board, sometimes you're in the choir, sometimes you're in the pulpit. And uh, they're, they're living in sin. Nobody knows. 
And they, they shine for a little while, and all of a sudden we hear a big fall. But he's telling Timothy, in this big house, and one of the most common things I know of is vessels of dishonor were normally five-gallon uh, vessels, usually made of clay. They'd last about a month. It's pretty cheap. And uh, what you did, if I went to your house and you washed my feet, you wouldn't take that water that you'd washed my feet and just throw it out. Since water was such a precious commodity, they would take that excess water from washing the feet, and they would pour it in this vessel of dishonor. And they'd collect that water, and out of that water, they'd water their plants and things that they could use that water for. And, but this was considered the vessel of dishonor, uh, almost like a chamber pot uh, when you don't have plumbing. Uh, we've got to have a vessel that we use for dishonorable usage, but it has a use. And these vessels would last about a month. Slime would form in it. The, the, the uh, ostrica would begin to break, and cracks would develop in it. And so every month you'd have to replace these vessels. But it was a vessel of dishonor. But, but he says, there's vessels of silver and gold. Now, you don't throw your wastewater in silver and gold. Uh, if you have guests, you serve them in the best vessels you have. If you've got silver, use that. Gold, use that. And so he says, hey, there's two kinds of vessels in the household. Then he says to Timothy, Timothy, if you're willing to get clean, if you're willing to separate yourself from the riffraff, the soiling effects of this world, if you'll flee, he says right after this verse, flee immorality. See, in the context, he's saying, flee sin, lest it dirties you so God can't use you for honorable use. You see, you can see all the pornography you want and still be a child of God. God's just not going to use you. Because God's got to work on you before he can work through you. You can be a gossip and a murmur and a negative. Oh, ever. We got them in this church. Always had them. They've got them in every church. They had them in the wilderness journey. They wanted to kill Moses. They didn't like what they were doing. They didn't like where they were going. Always got an opinion. Got an opinion. Got an opinion. I want to ask, what is God doing with you? Besides critiquing leadership, don't you have more to do, honey? I'll tell the story about the man that told me one time he's getting ready to leave the church and he was upset over something. Uh, you know, I don't think God's using you anymore, Pastor. I said, Well, uh, how long have I been your pastor? And he told me how many years. I said, The issue in your life is not whether God's using me, it's when is he going to use you? Is God using you? Is he using you for anything honorable? If someone needs encouragement, would he use you? If someone needed their hands lifted up, would he use you? If somebody needed mercy, could he use you? If somebody needed a word from God, could he use you? Are you clean enough for the Spirit of God to give pure water? I don't want, I don't mind drinking milk out of a fruit jar, but it better be washed. I just wanted to be clean. I don't care about how fancy it is. And when God's going to meet my need, he doesn't send me a dirty brother. And he won't send a dirty sister. Because in this household, Timothy, you've got to make a choice. Are you going to stay clean so you're fit for the master's use? And that's exactly what I saw him doing in my own youth. 
going through Helms and Richmond. You know what all the tests was? My whole life in those teen years was cutting me away from this influence, cutting me away from this. I like to run with these guys. You've got to leave them. I like to do this. You've got to give it up. Uh, I like rhythm and blues. Come on. Don't take that. That's where I bought a, my daddy got me a guitar. I want to play like little Willie John. And then when I got right, I gave him to Jim Snyder, made a soul singer out of him. Because I love that music. I love this. I love that. And, and it seemed like, God, when are you going to quit pruning? Is there anything I can do as a teenager that won't offend you? And he kept saying, I'm setting you apart to put pure water. I'm going to use you to be poured out on your generation. And I'm cleaning, cleaning you up. I'm getting you away from that which would defile you. And my old daddy said, you can't handle skunks without smelling like them. And I want you to quit running with skunks. I'm setting you apart. I'm setting you apart. But it gets lonely. Yeah, I'll force you to run with me. I'll force you to run with me. I'd rather be a vessel of honor in the potter's hand than to partake of all the carrion of this world. It just dirties, soils, and James says, keep yourself unspotted from the world that God may use you as a virgin bride. You see, when you get engaged, you can't flirt anymore with any other man. And some of you need to quit flirting with the world. I thought you were engaged. I thought Christ was the love of your life. Why in the world do you flirt with this world? Is God using you? He says it over and over. Then, look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 4, Paul said, because the Corinthians really were hard on Paul. They called him ugly, uh, short, non-eloquent. This church, uh, there was a despicable crowd there that did not like Paul, and uh, they were rough on him. Uh, I've never done 2 Corinthians because it's the wailing it's the wailing song of a minister that a church despises. And I've never had the courage to preach it. It's full of uh, great truths, but it's the most pathetic ministerial epistle because Paul is beat to a pulp. But verse 7, but we have this treasure. And he's talking about the gospel. In jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. What is he saying? We're just containers of a glorious gospel. And that uh, don't, don't exult over men. Men are frail. We're passing vessels. Uh, different degrees of strength, different degrees of abilities. But Paul said, the treasure that I hold is what I want you to see, not the container it's in. You're just a container. The treasure is Christ. The treasure is the gospel. So let us not be about men let us not be admiring men so much. Let's say this treasure gets sweeter, more precious, more valuable as the years go by. 
This, we're containers of the treasure. And so he uh, is telling us, I've come as the master transformer. I can turn water to wine. And I want to tell you, as I begin my messianic ministry, I'm here to change lives. I'm here to take them from the emptiness, the ruin. I've come to bring the joy back. I've come to bring the party of salvation. I've come to invite them to the Messianic festival that will be held for a thousand years as the bride celebrates with the groom. As I uh, was thinking about this message, the great poem by Myra Welch came to my mind. It goes this way. "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but held it up with a smile. What am I bidding, good folks, he cried. Who will start the bidding for me? A dollar, a dollar, then two, only two, two dollars, and who will make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loose strings, he played a melody pure and sweet as a caroling angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars, and who'll make it two? Two thousand, and who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, and going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried. We do not quite understand what changed its worth. Swift came the reply, the touch of a master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He is going once and going twice. He's going and almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought by the touch of the master's hand. I'm here to say if Jesus can turn water to wine, he can turn the wastewater of this world that's filled your life all of these years, full of sin, full of immorality, full of drugs, full of one sin after another. Whatever you've been containing all these years, he's wanting to speak to your life and say, I want to get rid of the wastewater and put new wine in you. I'm going to fill you with my spirit. I'm going to forgive you of your sins, for I'm the master. And if I can just but touch your life, you're going to become a container of eternal life. No longer the old life, the old life with nothing. I'm going to change you and transform you into something you could have never dreamed of. And we are here as witnesses. He did it for us. 
And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Closing out our time together today, we would like to remind you that copies of the broadcast, as always, are available when you contact us and let us know of your interest. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Another way to contact us would be via email, and you can do that through our website, valleybible.org. And while you're there, take advantage of the resource materials we have available. We have our storefront there. Also, information about Valley Bible Church, current events, what's going on, what's happening, our service times and location, directions, they're all there at valleybible.org. Plus, you can also donate there online. And remember, all of these donations are tax deductible. And as you become a TFT sustainer, we will also include our quarterly newsletter, a once a year special gift, and take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional. All of these are resources that we've designed to encourage you in your relationship with Christ. And please bear in mind that we are a listener-supported ministry. We're able to continue here on KFAX as you partner with us financially. And that's our way of saying thank you. Now, speaking of saying thanks, we have a special gift we'd like to pass your way here in the month of August as you partner with us financially. For a gift of any amount, we'll send you this wonderful series called The Romance of Redemption. It's a look at Ruth, and it's a marvelous series, taking a look at Ruth and the love story found there as it relates to the love story that you and I experience in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it's called The Romance of Redemption, and we'd love to pass it on to you for a gift of any amount. Simply contact us at 855 833 9864. That's 855-833-9864. And mention that you're interested in the romance of redemption. And again, for a gift of any amount, we'll send it your way. Thank you for joining us here on Truth For Today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Truth For Today.